Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Definitely the high point for this movement was late 2017 um, to right before uh, the Charlottesville rally. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually brought people to Charlottesville. That was part of the community. Is they're like, hey, we're getting together. We're going to march with all our brothers now join us in Charlottesville. So I personally saw a major increase around 2014, 2015 of just hateful messages, um, groups trying to shut down events because they didn't like that there were queer people there. Um, there was a lot of doxing, um, phone threats, people trying to get other people fired from jobs, um, the stolen... Rocky Mountain Furicon database was used to dox hundreds of people and try to get them fired for being gay or being furry. So there was a pretty big escalation, I would say, around the 2014 to 2016 time. And throughout 2017 to 2018, we figured out strategies to get rid of it. Welcome back to our two-part episode on the furry community and how they've dealt with the rising Nazi threat. Uh, I don't know what we'll title this yet, but that's what it's about. Uh, This is part two of the series, so if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it. Otherwise, most of this will be nonsense, so please do that now. The Midwest Fur Fest chlorine gas attack was big news online for a day or two, but then it sort of faded off into the background. One of the few relatively mainstream sites to cover the fallout at all was Vice in their 2016 article, CSI Furfest. It was a good piece and included valuable information from the local police and the FBI. But that's basically it in terms of long-term coverage. 
uh, and in terms of serious journalistic attention being paid to the problem of rising extremism in the furry community. Try to put yourself in the shoes of some of the people in this subculture. Some of your friends were wounded or at least traumatized by a terrorist attack launched by someone who's basically a Nazi. His Nazi friends are making continued efforts to recruit young furries all around you. What do you do? Stranded well outside the mainstream, the furries have had to develop their own structures of support and self-defense. That includes their own journalists. Patch O'Fur, that's his uh, pseudonym, created Dogpatch Press, a furry news website, back in 2014. And for the last five years, it's offered daily updates on furry culture and news, with a distinct emphasis on tracking the rise of the alt-furs and movements and groups like the Furry Raiders. Patch's work hasn't just informed members of the furry community. His work is rigorous and insightful enough that he's been cited by Rolling Stone, the LA Times, Vice, Forbes, The Daily Dot, and Daily Kos. He's also been cited by us here at Worst Year Ever, because Patch is the reason we wound up at Midwest Fur Fest in the first place. Patch reached out to me on Twitter back in the fall of 2019 when I retweeted some post about a certain alt-right grifter who we're not going to name again in this podcast's attempt to register for the Midwest Fur Fest. We started talking, and he sent me over pages and pages of archived conversations between alt-furs who are fans of that grifter discussing their plans to disrupt the convention. Patch is the first person who dug up Magnus Doridian's old, deleted-but-archived blog post about his stink bomb attack on that bank. Over the years, he's done a really impressive job of collecting and dispensing information about the alt-fur movement and its figureheads. While Patch worked to keep his fellow furries informed and get crucial information out to the general population, activists like Dio kept their head to the ground, infiltrated fascist online spaces, and gathered data. Well, for a long time, I went around and I banged the fucking pots and pans, and I'm like, I'm like, do you see this shit that's going on? Um, and nobody listened. And I also realized, too, that when I was infiltrated, I couldn't... They had a public space uh, called the lobby that people, anybody could enter in. Um, to get out of the lobby, you had to do your interview process and stuff like that. And then you had to do other things to get higher ranks to see other rooms um, to get deeper in. Uh, so they knew the lobby was compromised, uh, but they didn't know the rest of it was compromised because that stuff I had to keep quiet about. Because if they knew it was compromised, they would stop talking or they would look for who it was. So I collected thousands of screenshots and I used, there's a Discord history tracker, um, which we used as a bot and it logs all of the server. So we used that, we would crawl the server a couple times a week, um, keep the logs and files, uh, I've got those on my computer still. Uh, record all of that. You know, I was contacting like the SPLC. You know, if I saw anything that was like a law enforcement issue, um, you know, people talking about making bombs, people talking about, you know, meetups and training groups, that kind of thing. And it's not coincidental that this all really got started in 2014, because that's also the year and the rough time of year that Gamergate kicked off. If you're not extremely online, you probably haven't heard about Gamergate. It was, in short, a far-right reactionary movement among video game fans who were angry that feminist video game critics had started analyzing some of the troublesome gender issues in popular games. In a lot of ways, Gamergate was the inflection point of the modern alt-right, People like Steve Bannon and that guy we're not going to mention again jumped in to co-opt the movement because they saw it as a potential source of new digital activists. 
Gamergate wasn't just people getting angry about like video game critics saying stuff they didn't like. It was a harassment campaign that included hundreds of death threats against a number of different critics, um, dead animals and like letters written in blood being mailed to people's doors. It got really creepy and really out of hand really fast. Gamergate was priming the pump. Yeah. Um, it got all these people ready. It got them organized. They realized that they could have some exert some force of power yeah. over others. They realized that they could use fear and that they could terrorize people into silence, into submission. They could get their way. And if they banded together, if there were enough of them, none of them would get caught because there were too many. Mm -hmm. So you get hate mobs like that and they learned. Um, and you're constant, constantly seeing an evolution and adaptation where they learn what works and what doesn't. They try a new thing, and like, that didn't work. Or they see somebody else do something, and that was very effective. They pick up the method, they move on. It took a while for any of this to percolate out into mainstream culture. Because the furry fandom is so deeply tied to the internet, they were kind of the canary in the coal mine for all of the Nazi stuff that we're dealing with today in America. Chup was there for the start of it all, and he watched as his community mobilized itself to combat the fascist creep. I, I think one of the most effective ways was to uh, use something like blockchain on Twitter, basically, and start blocking these people um, that had formed groups intentionally targeting others. The alt-furs, the furry raiders had specific groups to say, hey, here's someone on Twitter we want to harass. Let's harass them constantly for this whole year. And they would dox them, harass that specific person as much as possible, and they had a chat room full of two to 300 people to constantly harass all day long. So the blockchain on Twitter worked pretty well. Monitoring their chat rooms, of course, uh, is something we've always had to do just to keep our events safe from that kind of abuse. All of this came to a head for the furries in 2016, around an event in Colorado called the Rocky Mountain Furry Con. Yeah, so Rocky Mountain Fur Con is my local convention in Denver. And basically it had issues because they had furry raiders or alt-right people on the board. And the board wanted to give priority to these alt-right groups to get first booking of all the hotel rooms. And the other people on the board couldn't get enough votes to vote these people off the board, so it ended up causing a lot of frustration among the community. Like, why does this alt-right group get all the rooms and no one else gets the rooms? Um, and so there's a lot of, I don't know, upset people around that situation. Calls erupted from within the Colorado furry contingent to, at the very least, ban Nazis like Foxler from attending the event. The convention organizers released a statement that was basically the furry equivalent to President Trump's both sides speech after Charlottesville. Rocky Mountain Furcon does not support or condone discrimination or violence in any of its forms and is saddened by the hatred and division that has been caused by a small minority of our community on both sides of this issue. Our sources aren't lying when they say that the organizers of Rocky Mountain Furcon had a complicated history with the far right. The nonprofit that officially managed the convention was Mid-America Anthropomorphic and Art Corporation. It was headed by Kendall Emery, also known as Kahuki Liaru, who in addition to being a furry, was a sovereign citizen. 
Sovereign citizens are a special corner of the far right. They have bizarre and arcane beliefs about the law and, in short, believe they don't have to pay taxes or listen to cops. Law enforcement officers regularly consider them one of the most dangerous groups in the country because of all the shootouts they instigate. Kendall's sovereign citizen beliefs likely influenced his sympathy for the alt-furs and furry raiders. It's also probably why Rocky Mountain Furcon failed to pay any taxes from 2008 to 2015. This was first reported, as far as we can tell, on another furry news site called Flayra. They note that Kendall slash Kahuki was forced to step down as chairman of the convention in 2008 when it was found out that he'd been convicted of criminal sexual contact with a minor back in 1993. Weird how that keeps happening with these alt-right guys, huh? Anyway, so this pedophile sovereign citizen and his buddies insisted on making Rocky Mountain Furcon a safe space for Nazis. This, understandably, riled up folks like Dio. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. On January 26, 2017, Dio got on Twitter and, commenting on their upcoming Rocky Mountain Furcon, tweeted, Can't wait to punch Nazis. This was followed up by a response from someone named Olivia Meles, who said, Watching you get shot by someone defending themselves from unprovoked assault will be far more entertaining. The discussion continued until someone asked Olivia if she was really planning to bring a gun to the convention. She said, in essence, maybe. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this was uh, what threw me into uh, the public eye. Dio reported the threat both to Twitter and to law enforcement. And this prompted a response from Kendall Emery. And I thought at first it was a troll. I'm like, what the fuck is this thing? And it's like, we're going to seize your house what? and we're going to seize your wages and we're going to put you in prison. You've been very bad. We know you're on Twitter. And I'm like, okay. They listed a couple other furry conventions as part of 
and the furry writers as other people who were harmed by my actions. I actually had to talk to like one of the other heads of another convention. I'm like, were you part of this letter? He's like, no, please never contact me again. That looks really bad for legal. I'm like, that's fine. I'll never contact you again. Please don't contact me. He's like, that's great. Bye. <laughs> so uh, I uh, got into trouble. So the letter came to me. I Google the name signed to it because I'm like, this has to be complete bullshit. Nobody would send you a sovereign citizen <laughs> pants on head crazy letter with a bloody thumbprint. I actually found a really fun analysis of this letter on the legal blog Lawyers in Liquor. The <laughs> author analyzes the letter and calls it proof that, quote, some people have insanity so strong it can bleed right the fuck through a fursuit. Here's how he explains the red thumbprint, which he thinks was ink rather than blood. To the sovsit, the red ink and the thumbprint add some special magic because it shows they are a flesh and blood person and not the corporate entity known as Furpants McGee or whatever the fuck this guy calls himself. This whole incident wound up blowing into the mainstream media almost as much as the chlorine attack on Midwest Furfest. In February, Vice wrote an article titled, Even Furries Are Fighting Fascists. It interviewed members of Furry Antifa, a loose organization that had just started to coalesce around the resistance to people like Foxler and the alt-furs. In April, Rolling Stone wrote that Does the Furry Community Have a Nazi Problem article. And in May, the Daily Beast published Nazis Are Tearing the Furry World Apart. The police wound up investigating the threats and determining that there was some danger to the community. The hotel demanded the organizers of the con shell out an extra $22,000 for off-duty cops to provide security, and in the end, Rocky Mountain Fur Con had to shut down. Eventually, they decided they couldn't deal with it anymore. There was no way to get rid of the alt-right people on the board, so they shut down the convention entirely. But that didn't end the fighting, of course. Foxler and the furry raiders were pissed now. So when the Colorado furry community organized a new Nazi-free event, Denfer, they decided they had to fuck with it. Uh, our first year, the alt-right group, the furry raiders, decided... We're going to call the hotel, book all the rooms at once with a database of stolen identities from the previous convention. So they booked 40% of the rooms. I think it was amounting close to sixty dollars to $80,000 worth of revenue lost. And we had to try to convince the hotel those were stolen identities from the last convention that they used against our convention. This was a serious crime, or at least it would have been if, again, the victims and perpetrators hadn't been people who liked to dress up as animals. Yeah, uh, we actually called, uh, I don't know, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. Uh, there's a division for financial crimes. And once I told them it was a furry convention, they stopped returning our calls. Fixing the situation required Chip and his fellow organizers to spend dozens and dozens of hours investigating the crime for themselves. He sent us an enormous itemized folder filled with eyewitness testimony from those who had heard Foxler discuss the plan, as well as lists of all the fraudulent reservations that had been posted inside a telegram group used by the furry raiders. All of this was necessary to convince the hotel to reverse the charges so that they could, you know, hold the event without having it booked up by fake people. They also archived conversations from within that group, including one where alt-furs discuss how to infiltrate the chat channels where Chip and his friends planned Denfer, oblivious to the fact that their own channel had been infiltrated. Carr writes, I would just use my old fursona, since I haven't been involved in furry in a long time anyway. Someone named Blumier responds, old fursonas are actually great for this. They have established history. A little later in the thread, someone named HuskyJack92 suggests, if anything, get connections to 8chan. Let the heat seem like it's coming from the outside. 
Altvers in the channel complain that SJWs just want to shut down anyone who happens to be a little right-wing, and then one of them drops in a quote from George Lincoln Rockwell. Oh good, here it is. By being a national socialist with the swastika, I would also gather the only kind of people I wanted around me. The tough, dedicated idealists ready to fight for those ideals and give their lives if necessary. And even more important, I would automatically scare off the millions of blabbermouths, cowards, fools, and crackpots which infest the rest of the movement. The swastika would probably not bring me many supporters, but those who came would be men. In other chat logs, Haltfers discuss genocide, extermination of transgender people, and a bunch of other horrible stuff we are not going to read at length. The point is that all of this documentation proves the central point Dio, Chip, and other furry anti-fascists have been making for years. These people are dangerous. And allowing them to participate in events like Midwest Fur Fest is also dangerous. At least one alt-fur actually marched in Charlottesville alongside a small army of fascists, one of whom committed a terrorist attack by ramming his car into a crowd of anti-fascists and killing a young woman, Heather Heyer. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. In the very next year, 2018, Magnus Deridian, the Confederate fursuiter and the presumed culprit of the chlorine attack, showed up at Midwest Fur Fest again. He was already banned from the convention and was not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he came, he was trespassing. So he shows up. He is wearing a fursuit based on World War One. Which is a great way of not quite being fancy. not quite being yeah. a Nazi, but definitely scaring people yeah. who are already on edge. And then he's throwing Nazi salutes in the uh, the lobby and yelling racial slurs. 
uh, security came up to him, which was when he punched one of our pregnant security workers. And she is by far one of the toughest people I've ever met, despite she, her being nine months pregnant at that time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So she chases him. <laughs> he runs, flees the hotel, and he's running. She's running after him. Uh, the cops nab him. They have to take him out of fursuit. Well, he's not wearing anything underneath. Sure. So the hotel donates a sheet. And then you have a few hundred furries taking videos and photos of this man in a sheet getting shoved into wow. a cop car, and he spent the weekend in jail. In wider American society, the years since the bloody Charlottesville rally have been years of steady growth and regular attacks by members of the fascist right. In 2019, 8chan, birthed originally by Gamergate, inspired no less than four white nationalist terrorist attacks in three nations. The Proud Boys have been allowed to work security at Trump rallies. A neo-Nazi terrorist social network called The Base has started putting up flyers, offering weapons training and camaraderie to other interested fascists. But over in furrydom, the story has been really different, and that is why we think non-furry Americans need to pay attention to folks like Dio and Chip. They and their fellow furry anti-fascists have been extremely effective at shutting the Nazis out of their community. And they did it on their own, without the police, and largely without the media. All it took was sustained activism and a broad commitment to keep Nazis out of their community. I think that the furries have done the best they can. And I am proud of the way the community organized, the way everyone is aware. Um, like here, people were worried about the Proud Boys coming up. So yeah. I watched people, nobody told them to do this. Nobody asked them to do this. But people went around and they said, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna check on my friends and make sure that all of my friends get to their hotel room every night and that they're safe. And if I walk alone at night, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna take a buddy, we're gonna walk together I watched people who were a little bit bigger, a little bit more well-built, are like, hey, you know, you're small. Are you walking alone tonight? Can I come with you? I think you're fine, but just in case. And you see that community coming together, we build each other up, and we protect us. They don't just protect us. They also try to dissolve the line between us and them. Going into 2020, hostility is high. Misinformation is everywhere. Bad actors, gullible people, isolated kids looking for answers for their struggles, and often finding those answers from liars. While the furry community doesn't necessarily focus on de-radicalization, they are conscious of the radicalization pipeline, and they try to stop it in its tracks. I found that, personally, my belief is that inoculating people with, hey, do you recognize what this mm -hmm. is, before it takes mm -hmm. root. So if some, you see your friend who posts a weird meme, you're like, do you know what that's referencing? Do you understand what you're going with? And they're like, uh, I don't. What, what do you mean? I thought it was just funny. And you're like, well, actually, that reference is about something else. Like, that's a reference to, you know, the white genocide theory. That's a reference to the Turner Diaries. Yeah, yeah. That's a reference to uh, the Umpqua shooter you know, and people go, oh, I didn't know. I thought it was just funny. My friend posted it to me. And you're like, well, you might want to be very careful about what that friend shares mm -hmm. with you. And maybe you can help pull them from the brink. I pull you from the brink. You pull them from the brink. We pull each other. There have been mixed results in the community, but some results are still good results. They look for people and provide space to discuss certain ideological pools or in some cases, straight up racism. 
and then we moved to a better community. Yeah. Um, I tried for a while too. I made a chat group, and we pulled people out of these alt furry groups, and I've, with mixed success. Tried to. I'm not life after hate. I weld pipe for a living. <laughs> I'm not a therapist. Um, but we tried to offer them a group where it was had some control of moderatorship. So we're like, okay, we understand that you are coming out of this toxic culture. We understand that you are not going to be okay immediately. You are going to carry this baggage, and we're going to help you unpack it. So you're going to come into this group. We're going to decompress. You can talk about this stuff, you know, but if you throw out a racial slur, we're going to say, hey, man, why are you using that kind of language? Does it really need to be said? You know, why are you, why are you using it? Are you angry? And usually it's like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. I, I just lost my head. I was upset. And, you know, I, I threw it out there. It's a knee jerk reaction. I have. But sometimes and this right here is so important for the worst year ever. It's overwhelmingly more helpful to interact with somebody in person, human to human, and show them some kindness. Give them an opening. Dio mentioned a kid who... was in the alt furry group, the main yeah. chat, uh, which was led by the people directly trying to funnel yeah. people into the alt-right. And she told this wonderful story that I think speaks so well to how young people, men specifically, are desperate for any community and can easily get swept up and manipulated and brought into groups of hate but how a little connection and understanding from someone who cares can change everything. Here's Dio. It's funny, too. When we fir I first saw him, he was welding a uh, lead-filled mace to club me to death. And when his friend is like, hey, I got to get him out of this, um, he thinks you're going to murder him. So I'm going to like bring him to you, and you say hi, and then he'll realize that you're not going to murder him because he's been told by these alt-right groups that you're a violent sadist who's going to murder him on sight. So we meet, and this poor kid is shaking like a leaf. He's like, oh shit, your deal. And I'm like, hey buddy, I saw your welding. He's like, oh, <laughs> you saw the mace? I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't really want to talk about the whole mace thing, but I liked your welds. Where did you learn that? He's like, oh, I, I had a little class in high school. I'm like, that's a great skill. Are you doing anything with it? Are you thinking about going into the trades? Have you thought about apprenticeship? Are you thinking about college? He's like, I actually, I wasn't sure. You know, my dad died a couple years ago and I've been lost. I'm like, yeah, that happens to a lot of people. Well, if you're thinking about a trade, I'm a journeyman and I think apprenticeship is a great way to go. You know, you don't have the college kind of debt, but I liked your walls. I think you have really good potential. Do you want to talk about steel? And he's like, he's like, yeah, that's, that's actually be really nice. So we had a nice little group chat there in the lobby of the Hyatt and he let down his guard over time. You know, we're talking about welds. I'm talking about he made himself like plate armor. I'm like, this happened a year before our interview and just about 12 hours before we sat down with Dio. He found me last night and he's like, I'm really glad you got me out. I still don't like you at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's great. I'm so happy for you. You look healthier. He's like, yeah, I put on weight. Did you notice? I'm like, yeah, I think he got taller too. He's like 18 now, and he's still a little socially awkward. I had a couple friends come up to me, and he you know, takes a couple steps back, and he stares at the group. You know, He wants to be in on it. You know, you try to in involve people like that. 
Like we said, they don't focus on de-radicalization because they're more worried about protecting their community. But the love and compassion they have within the fandom, their own animal instincts, if you will, are still effective in reaching out and helping people who are lost. Something to remember. They want to be in on it. And I don't think this conversation is complete without taking time to examine what the furry fandom means to the people who are a part of it. Some of you may remember from the audio diary that we released back in December, uh, the story of us taking a break from interviews to grab lunch at a fancy restaurant near the convention center. None of us wanted to be there, but we were tired and it was the closest option. And I remember sitting there. (laughs) Robert had just been shamed by the maitre d' for not using the right soup spoon and just feeling floored by the juxtaposition between this fancy restaurant and the welcoming, non-judgmental community we had just spent two days with. The, the difference was palpable. This is from Lucky. Cons have always been kind of that um, avenue of self-expression for me, you know? Um, I was a closeted bisexual man and have now flourished, I'd say, in discovered myself thanks to this fandom and these cons kind of allow me to feel okay with that you know and I meet a lot of nice people who are also okay with me being who I am and and that's what it means to everyone each person we spoke with mentioned in their own way just how the furry community allowed them to truly be themselves to be open to be accepted most of them for the first time without judgment I think the furry fandom means a lot to me it's Unlike a church, you can kind of define what it is on your own. So you can say, you know, this is what the fandom means to me. It's a personal representation of myself. Whereas a religion says you have to follow these guidelines to be in our religion. And I saw it as a replacement for religion where I could have a uh, loving community and I could express my creativity and I could be myself in the furry fandom. Wearing one of my fursuits is representing some personalities, some attitude, some type of flair that when I'm just in plain clothes, whether I'm on the street, with my family, at work, I repress. But with my friends who are vast majority of them are furries, it's, I can open up and be candid and very spontaneous. That last one was from Goku, who opened up to us and shared that the furry community had, quite literally, saved his life. To tell you the truth, if I hadn't found this fandom, I would have killed myself when I was 24, 25 years old. Between the deaths of his father and mother and the loss of his home, Goku was lost. He needed a reset, so he moved away from New York and discovered the furry fandom in Philadelphia. That reset has been exponentially beneficial to me since I've joined the furry fandom. I found individuals who have changed my life view, who have been friends since I've joined this fandom, who are like family to me. I unfortunately don't have much family left, and I say this very often when I'm with close friends that we may not be related by blood, but for treating me as a, with respect, with dignity, um, by listening to my stories, and uh, you are my family. And when someone tries to break up your family, and I will not let negative influences who are poisonous, like the alt-right, into a family that I love. And I will do whatever I can to prevent it. I'm not a violent individual, but I will always raise my fist, raise a bat, and speak my loud mouth. I think what Goku is expressing here is something that, like, we all actually 
need very yeah. badly deep down, which is a, a community of people that we would be willing to like fight and die for. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people's problems and a lot of the problems we have with extremism in this country is that most people don't really have something like that in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what makes violent extremism so easy. It's what makes people so vulnerable to being recruited by some of these groups because they give you that uh, the illusion of having that kind of a community. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have real caring people around you, a group that you identify with, that you feel safe with, and that you're willing to protect, you can be pushed to doing some pretty terrible things. Yeah. Honestly, mm -hmm. what I re-listened to him telling us this story, it gave me chills. Over the course of this weekend, it became quite clear to all of us that between the lessons they learned protecting their subculture from the infiltration of the alt-right, their successful efforts at de-radicalization, and their unwavering commitment to protecting this fandom, which means so much to them, the furry community is actually a perfect example of how we can all survive the worst year ever. I love that for our first real episodes of 2020. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, not what we expected Not at all. to find. Yeah. But it was overwhelmingly positive the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of went into this project wanting to look at these different subcultures to see how they were weathering and, and honestly how they were being warped by this this horrible thing politically that is continuing to happen in this country and that 2020 will be so far, I'm certain, the worst example of. And we didn't come across a community that had been warped. We came across a community that had been like battered and attacked and, and damaged in some degrees by all of this. But a community that had found a way to survive and come out on the other side stronger as yeah. a result of it. Yeah, healed and, and reinforced and ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's where the lessons lie for all of us. Absolutely. Um, I actually think Dio said it best. And I can't think of a more fitting way to end this episode. We all realize that we're on the outskirts and that we're all a little bit strange, but we're strange together. And that solidarity makes us stronger. It makes us more ready for trouble. It makes us more aware. And it helps us, if we need to talk to each other, you go, hey man, uh, I saw you post a weird meme. I don't think that's really healthy. Are you feeling all right? Are you having a hard time? Let's talk about it. You know, come back from that brink. Come back into our group. I see you're not posting a lot in the group chat, you know. Or like, hey, I made you a drawing of your persona. You know, look, it's us hugging. We're friends. You have friends. Remember that. Don't feel lost and alone. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I tried. Yes. Daniel? Lovely. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.